Okay, uh, those of you who have been in and around church life recently, you will know we're doing a study on the joy of the Lord. I just like the aspect where you, whatever you focus on, whatever you feed grows. And so if you feed joy in your life, we can expect joy to grow. If you feed negativity in your life, you can expect negativity to grow. So as a church, we're choosing, and it is always a choice, that no matter what's going on outside and around and in other people's lives and opinions and spoken word over us, we choose to give our attention to joy. And because of that, things are going to shift. It's based on this verse in Nehemiah 8 and verse 10. My hope is, we have, we've given this verse out six times now, my hope is it begins to stick. That if in a month's time we're not talking about this verse, and I say, what does Nehemiah 8.10 say? You will be able to say, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Yeah, last, last year our theme verse was John 10.10. 10. You know, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I, Jesus, came that you would have life and life abundantly. Let's get some of these great verses in us. You're not just no one, but in us. Because the time will come when you're in a difficult moment, and because it's in you, you can say, Jesus came to me, give me the fullest life. There might be a thief trying to steal it, but I'm not going to let him have it. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. And we've studied that, and the old idea that the joy of the Lord is actually you. It says in Hebrews, doesn't it, it said, for, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. And so that's the whole idea is what was his motivating factor? What at that point in his lowest moment when Jesus said to the father, is there any other way? Could this cup be taken from me? He's sweating blood. The joy of the Lord was his strength. And it was the motivating factor was you. That one day in 2018, you'd be sat in Kessed Church saying, thank you, Jesus. That was his motivation. So the joy of the Lord is actually you. And so when you start saying the joy of the Lord is my strength, you start thinking God is celebrating me, so maybe I should celebrate me because he's made me awesome. I'm not going to try and be someone else. I'm going to be me, and I'm strengthened in that. And that releases joy, and it just forms this lovely cycle of strength and joy and happiness and goodness and laughter, and that's where I want to live. Give me a wave. That's where you want to live. Yeah. So start embracing who you are. You do not have to be me. You do not have to be the person next to you. You can just be you. And that's really, really cool. And God loves it. And so I like the idea of getting around biblical principles, which will always help your life go somewhere better. Who knows, if you apply any biblical principle to your life, your life will get better. So often, the trouble with us is that we find ourselves going down somewhere. And when you look at what the starting point was, it's because we stopped applying biblical principles. But the great thing is, God is the great God of a million chances. Hallelujah, for me at least. Because when I find myself here, I go, okay, God, I've stuffed this up. Thank you for loving me. I'm going to start living by your principles again. And every single time, you come out of the valley. Every time. And so how about we make better choices and start saying, I'm going to live by your principles. Joy is the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5. So we know God's into joy. Because he said, when you do life with me, when you allow my Holy Spirit in you, one of the fruits, one of the things that are going to be displayed in your life is joy. And so I want to see more of that. We should be the church that laughs. I wonder how many people, we're really trying to set up an environment so that you can bring your friends to it. So that unchurched people can come into a place and go, wow, that was just, oh, just I loved it. I'm coming back next week. That's what we want to be, isn't it? Well, who knows that most people probably think that when you come to church, you get through the service because it's going to be proper boring. It's going to be cold. 
the, the vicar, the preacher, the person at the front is going to speak a language no one's ever understood. The organist, because it's bound to be an organist, is going to be slow and out of time. And at the end of it, we walk out the door and go, God, got through that. But that isn't representing my Jesus. Because he's the God of joy. And so when they come into a place that's like, yes, come on, I love you. Thank you for loving me. You're really cool. I'm glad you were here tonight. They actually understand what we're talking about. They go away and go, wow. They leave in a better place than the way they came in. And you leave in a better place than the way you came in. And we do it all together. That's the church I want to lead. So the, the, this is uh, Joy of the Lord, part six. And it is called, Will You Commit? Interesting. And I, didn't, I genuinely didn't prime Soyosi earlier. But one of the things he said there is, if you call this church your church, will you commit? And he actually started the preaching for me. Well played, my man. So I turned to the person right behind you, look him in the eye and go, will you commit? <laughs> Do you know when I said laugh? Not too much, right? <laughs> Steady on now. Not too much fun in church, a little bit of fun. Commitment's a funny old thing, isn't it? Somewhere, somewhere in it all, it's become a negative. Hold your hand up if you're familiar with the term player. Do you know what players won't do? They won't commit. You see, we all know these people. There's lots of sniggering going on in the house. I'm not sure about all this laughter in church. Steady, steady. We've said we'll talk a language people get. You know, there, there's somewhere in it all, being a player, at least in a world sense, has been deemed cool. You know, they're the guy, they're the girl, whatever it might be, you know. And what a player generally does is that they chase after people's hearts, win them over because they're smooth or they're attractive or whatever it is, with no intention of committing. And they use phrases like, oh, I just can't be tied down, I need to be free. Free for what? To chase someone else's heart down, get them to commit to you, say, I'm not going to commit, leave them hurt and leave yourself back at the same place in the first place to go around the whole cycle again. Is that what you want to be free for? Where did that become cool? Leaving a trail of heartbreak behind you only to find yourself in the very starting place you were a year ago and a year before that and a year before that. I know players from my football days, and when I talk about players, not just football players, but players, who are now in their 50s Still walking the same path. Going down the nightclub trying to chase 17-year-old girls. It's like, really? At some point, don't you have to stop the cycle and be able to commit? And it's like, come on, where did this become cool? It's not cool. There's a process that I believe God ordained from the beginning. And I think we need to embrace the process. And as we embrace the process, joy is released. Not just in terms of relationship, I've used that as an example, but how about committing to a business? How about committing to a church? How about committing to be a parent? How about committing to handling your finance better? Commitment in general. But the process goes like this. Know, trust, commit, touch. The trouble is we live in a world that wants to half know and then touch. And you look at that across the board in every sense of the area. We want to kind of get hold of the goods without going on the journey. We want the money without committing to the business. We want the money without committing to the career. We want the ministry without committing to the church. We want the physical without committing to the relationship. 
and we miss out the middle bit, which is about 45 million steps, and somewhere in it all, wonder why it doesn't work out in the end, because we've missed the process. And I wonder if God isn't challenging his church to be counterculture again and say, start doing it my way again. Why is it we meet someone, we think, oh, you're attractive. We don't commit to a relationship. We just want to go for the physical. Why is it we look at someone who's been on a great big journey in life and ended up successful, and we don't want to go on the journey to be successful. We just want the success. And when you get the success, you can't handle the success because you didn't go on the journey of understanding what that looks like. You do a study of people who have won the lottery, for instance, if we're homing in on success money-wise. Most people who win the lottery, their life goes completely haywire. They lose all their friends because all their friends assume, now you're a millionaire, you can look after me. And most of them have no intention of looking after them. And it's like they've suddenly found themselves in a place where they don't need to work. They can afford to do different things. They can afford to live in a different house. And they haven't been on the journey of getting there. They've just ended up there, and it becomes a negative. You do your own research. I did it once. Most lottery millionaires are having a bit of a nightmare. And we all hanker after this thing. But what we should really hanker after is the process. Because wherever you end up in life, you'll get there and you'll handle your stuff. Wouldn't it be great to end up in a great marriage because you didn't just know and touch, but you went on the journey of getting to know each other, learning to trust each other. You know, how about, look at it in a church context. You know, you come together and you go, oh, this is, I like this. Quite, you, know, you start to get to know what are our values, or what, how do we preach, what do we believe, what do people like, what do we wear? All this kind of stuff. And then you think, oh, no, they're, they're, they're genuine article. We can, trust, we can trust this group of people. And because you can trust them, you can commit yourself to this group of people. And then as you commit yourself to this group of people, out of the relationship and the commitment we share together, we get to know one another. And you find yourself in a ministry able to touch what you're called to do, able to touch people, have to change lives because you went on a journey and you can apply the whole thing to any area of your life. But the reality is people are getting messed up because they're missing the process. And the issue is commitment. So turn to the person to your left and say, will you commit? We had in Kessage, I think it was four weddings last year. And uh, yeah, it was really, really cool. But who knows? Weddings are emotional. You know, at Sarah Beale's now Horn's wedding, her dad's not an emotional guy, but he was really fighting back the tears. And it's just like, even the men, particularly the dads, at a wedding, like, oh, why do we get so emotional? You know, you know I've been to weddings of people I don't really know, and even I'm sitting there, who's waving that onion under my nose? It's moving. Weddings are just moving, aren't they? And the reason weddings are moving, I believe, is because we all ultimately still believe in the idea of commitment. And you're having two people who have found each other saying before God and their friends that I commit to spend the rest of my life with you. And that is moving. We believe in the concept. Now, sometimes the outworking of that's quite difficult, but we believe in the concept. Could it be that a gang of people in Colchester on a cold night in 2018 say, we believe in the concept too, and we're prepared to shift our thought process and begin to commit to some stuff? Commit to your studies. Commit to your marriage. Commit to your friendships. Commit to your family. Commit to your church. Commit to your business. Commit to your ministry. Let's start committing. 
Rather than just wafting around, hoping that we're going to touch the goodies in the end. God is saying, come on, church, learn to commit. I love this picture. I just found it on, on the net. And, you know, this is why, uh, we, yeah, look at these. Look at this. We're from a time, you can tell how young they are. We're from a time where if something is broken, we fix it. We don't throw it away. They're prepared to be committed. Okay, this isn't going how we hope, but you know what? We're not going to throw it away. We committed to each other. So let's work this through. And that picture right there, that's moving, isn't it? I don't have to play the soft music and waft the onions around when you look at that. That's what people want. To meet someone at some stage in their life and find themselves much older, looking back going, we went on a journey, love. Looking each other in your eye and saying, glad I met you. Glad we did it together. Look what we've achieved. And you know what? There's still more. We all believe in that. But that takes commitment. In about 10 days' time, my mum and dad celebrate their 50th wedding anniversary. Yeah, it's pretty cool. These people know about commitment. They committed to bringing me up for a start. I'm nearly broken. But we need to celebrate, celebrate this kind of stuff. And we, and we will. You know, we'll celebrate with them. But it's how cool is that we've got people in this. Give me, a, give me a wave if you've been married for 20 years or more. Awesome. Hey, let's a round of applause for these guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's becoming less and less common. But I love the fact that probably in our church, the average age in our church is probably about 30. Wouldn't it be great if we had a bunch of people who were 30 and younger saying, that's the story I want to tell. One day that I want to be married for 20 plus years, 30 plus years, 40 plus years, because I understand what commitment looks like. And I'm not going to be fly away. I'm not going to live like the world doesn't throw it away. I'm going to commit. Because I believe that joy comes from that. Do you know what those players we laughed at, and I know it was a bit tongue-in-cheek, there is joy in that. You know, they wouldn't be doing it if there wasn't, but they're momentary joy. Because who knows when the deed is done, which felt nice for a moment, you're back to square one again, and on the chase again. Because I won't commit to that relationship, I'll go for someone else. There is joy, but it's momentary. But in a marriage where there is commitment, there is long-term joy. When you go through the ups and downs in life, when you learn to laugh together and cry together, when you learn how to help each other when you're poorly, when you celebrate your victories together, there is long-term joy in that. And so what I want to say, a biblical theme of commitment actually leads to long-term joy. And that's where we all want to live. It's a biblical theme. I just want to share two stories you'll all be familiar with, I'm sure, or most of you at least. But let's look at them through the eyes of commitment. The first one's the Good Samaritan. Let's have a look in Luke 10. It's verses 33 through 35, and it says this. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. Um, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. So you know the story. This guy's um, been beaten up by robbers, been mugged. Um, a priest walks past, a Levi walks past, looks at him, crosses the road and leaves him. But there he's all beaten up. And in comes this Samaritan guy who shouldn't even be talking with this man, but he takes pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So the teaching point from this was actually about who's my neighbor. It's like, who do I love and care for then? 
And Jesus was highlighting that religious people only wanted to mix with their own. But this Samaritan guy just loved whoever was before him. And so that was Jesus' kind of teaching point. But how about this idea of commitment in that? See, he didn't just stop, put his arm around him and go, are you all right, mate? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Cool. I hope it's a good see you soon then. Because I think sometimes that's what I do. Maybe it's what you do. I do care. I genuinely care. But I stop in a moment, check someone's all right. Once I think they're half okay, I'll keep on with my life. But the guy who committed didn't do that. He picked him up. He bandaged his wounds. He cost him something. He took him to the inn, stayed there an entire night. In the morning, he said, how are you doing? Yeah, I think I'm going to be okay. Then he said to the innkeeper, here's some money. Look after this guy. He followed it through. That's commitment. I'm going to come back. And if there's, if there's any more money spent, I'm going to pay it. It wasn't just a case of, oh, I should care about this guy. Oh, there, there, there. Oh, you'll be okay. I'm off now. I've done my bit, which I'm sure we all do at one extent or another. But how about we learn to commit? Let's see this through to the end. I want him to be fully well, and I want to know he's fully well, even if it costs me something. That is commitment, and that is moving. I wonder how many stories you've seen where similar things, where someone's actually gone out of their way, cost them time, money, energy, and effort, all because they wanted to see someone else do well. It's moving. See, commitment is moving, and it brings joy. Because not only does that person life get pushed forward but other people say wow that was amazing what you did there and they are moved and you're chuffed with yourself that you did something good and you're moved so commitment actually brings this feeling of being moved which actually releases joy so you can see the journey how about this story in Luke 5 verses 18 through 20 this is where Jesus is teaching at a house and some, some friends brought in their mate who's crippled and they can't get to Jesus, um, but they're determined to get him to Jesus. And it says, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him to the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him in on the mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, I love this. I'm not sure if I was the owner of the house how happy I'd be about this. But their friends knew, believed in their heart, had full expectation, had total faith that if Jesus spoke over their friend, he would get up. That's faith right there. And I believe that challenges all of us. Do we fully believe that when we get before Jesus, when your situation's before Jesus, when your family's before Jesus, when your friend's before Jesus, it's going to shift? We need to start living in that space. Put an expectation on Jesus. He loves it. He calls that faith. Don't pray a hopeful prayer that says, Lord, oh, please, could you do this? It's like, come on. Jesus, I know you can do this. I'm putting it before you now, and I have an expectation in my heart. It moves him. And so he calls that faith. But they couldn't get him there. Now, maybe I or you or some people would say, oh, what a shame. So busy, we just can't get there. No, they were committed. We are going to get him there, come what may. I tell you what, we're going through the roof. <laughs> Imagine the housekeeper, you know, the owner of the house is there with Jesus. Suddenly he hears, poof, 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 poof. some bloke's coming through my roof. <laughs> but they were determined. 
They were committed. We don't care what we have to do. We are getting you in front of Jesus. It moved Jesus. He said, your sins are forgiven. The man gets up. He says, take up your mat and walk. I love a teaching point I brought out on that before, that when you get before Jesus, he says, take up your mat. The thing that's been carrying you, you stand up and carry it. And I don't know, sometimes we've got things, you know, that are holding us. But when you get before Jesus, he says, come on now, stand up. Be the person I called you to be and take a hold of that thing that's been holding you because I'm with you. And that's what happened here. But it only happened because his friends were committed to getting there. They could have given up, but they followed it through. What was the result? It moved Jesus. Joy came out of it. I wonder how they were celebrating on their way home. I know one of them at least was running. <laughs> Commitment moves people. It's attractive and it brings with it goodness. So why then is it that we hesitate to commit? I love Toyosi set me up for this. Why do we hesitate to commit? You know, as a student, you might be in Colchester for three years. How about commit to making a difference in three years? So when you go away, you might come back one day and go, wow, the church is really going somewhere. I played my small part in it. You know, we've got Vivian here. That gives away Vivian. She's awesome. Vivian is the leader of Beacon House. You know, go on, better crap than that. That was rubbish. There you are. The homeless charity that we support, she does an amazing thing. But you know why? Because she committed to it. And I'm sure she's laughed and cried and all kinds of stuff along the journey. But she's committed to changing lives. And we just cheer you on and champion you for that and do our bit to help you. But commitment shifts stuff. How about commit to that business idea? How about stop it being a dream and a conversation and a prayer and start doing something about it and step into it? How about commit to be a parent rather than let your children just grow up? running around doing their thing because actually it's time-consuming. How about commit to your marriage or your relationship and say, I'm going to really give it everything I've got consistently because it affects joy. I love the idea that you commit to it and you get there to, the, you know, to somewhere down the line, you look back and go, look what we achieved. That brings joy. And the only reason you achieved it is because you committed. Our Evie, who's somewhere in the building, does gymnastics and she's only nine years old. And um, she went along on a Saturday sort of afternoon for a couple of hours and paid four quid or whatever it was and she went along just to enjoy it. But in a short time they noticed she had some talent and they asked her to try out for the competition team, which she did and she got in the competition team and obviously she's really chuffed. But then they take them on this journey. You've got to bear in mind when she started this, she's eight, eight years old. And you'll see her when she comes out later. Well, they get in there, the first thing they have to do, eight years old, she's a girl, 30 press-ups, 30, 3-0. 30 press-ups. Can any of you do 30 press-ups? My Evie can, in your face. <laughs> they get them. They have to be able to do the splits in all three directions. Left leg first. I'm not very good. This is me touching my toes. <laughs> right leg first, left leg first, and whoo! And, um, she can do them all the way, and they have to get their whole crutch, bottom, what's the word I'm looking for, on the floor. She can do it. Now, some of them can't quite do it. So what do they do? They start pushing them. It's like they're in tears. Mums are turning up and their little girls, oh, it's so hard. People drop out. People cry. They have to do like a million sit-ups at the end of it all. She's just learning to do this thing where, do you know, they have these two little, do you know the little press-up 
bars you use on like all sort of U-shaped things and you, you do press-ups on them. Well, she has to sit on them like that with her legs out there and there and then where they then use their stomach muscles to pull themselves up, their legs go out and they end up doing a handstand but they don't touch the floor at all. She's only nine. She's giving it all this. Obviously, I could do that. But, <laughs> but they work really hard. Now, a lot of the girls drop out along the way, and I, I, I haven't chatted to the coaches, but I believe they push them really hard at the beginning just to see, will you commit? Because you're not going to get to the level in competition that we're looking for if you won't commit. And so I'd rather find that out now rather than later. How about all you single people out there? How about the beginning of your relationship? You push really hard to see if they're going to commit. Test them out a little bit. I might as well know now. The thing is with Evie and the gymnastics journey is that when, as parents and grandparents, we go to watch her in competition and she's doing all these amazing things, you're like, wow, you've got Sarah going, oh, I'm so proud. <laughs> you've got Papa, oh, I'm so proud. <laughs> Obviously, I'm hard as nails. Well done, sir. Well done, Evie. <laughs> but her commitment makes her proud and therefore full of joy. And it makes all of us as family proud. But she wouldn't have got there without the commitment. I wonder what all of you could achieve if you commit to it. And I wonder what joy that might release somewhere down the line. And you see, I'm proving to you that it's a biblical concept. So actually, God loves this kind of stuff. But we live in a society that wants to get there without going through there. And I want to say to you, let's start going through there because it's God's way. Galatians 6, 9 says this. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time will we reap a harvest if we do not give up. How about we commit to doing good stuff? You've got seven days till next Sunday's meeting. I wonder if every day you could do something good, something a bit out of the ordinary, something to make someone's life good, something kind. Just commit to being good. Don't give up being good. Don't become weary. Don't get tired of it. Because there's a reward. Because at the proper time, you're going to reap something. But the trouble is we want the reaping, but we become tired at doing good stuff. So how about we stir each other up? One of the reasons God gives us in, in Hebrews 10 and 25 is to say, don't give up meeting together so that you can spur each other on to the good stuff. So how about when you're at work, text someone going, have you done your good deed today? Go and push in, sharpen each other, stay in contact with each other because God wants to get you something. But if you're not doing the good stuff, he's not going to get you something because he's looking at you to be someone who commits. James 1, 2, uh, verses 2 through 4 say this. Consider it pure, pure joy, my brothers and sisters, wherever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith, faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Perseverance means keeping going. Commit to it. It's part of a spiritual journey and God wants to release things into you so you lack nothing. The trouble is we want to lack nothing, but we don't want to persevere. Can you see, even in our spiritual journey, we're just sort of hesitant to this commitment thing. So I want to stir it up in you today. Be people who will commit to the journey. Romans 5 verses 3 through 4 say something similar. 
Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. God wants to release hope in us, but he wants to take us on a journey that we have to commit to in order to get there. I'm just highlighting the spiritual principle of committing. Those who commit to pursue God reap rewards that produce joy. So could we be a group of people that allow our mindsets to be transformed by God's word and not to be transformed by everything else, all the other noise in our world? Could we be people who persevere faithfully to do the right thing and allow God to release the blessing that comes from that? I put here, will you commit or will you carry on being a commitment phobe? <laughs> Just thought of a couple of reasons why you might not commit. And I believe there'll be people in this room who fall into these categories, and that's why I feel like God highlighted it to me. Is it because you're struggling with something from your past? Has something happened to you in your life which has made you really hesitant to commit? And, and the reality is we've all got a past. We've all been hurt. We've all made mistakes. We've all got some scars. But that shouldn't stop us committing to an amazing opportunity, although I believe it does. Why should we miss out on an amazing relationship, on an amazing church, on an amazing business opportunity, on an amazing relationship because of something negative happening in our past? I, just, I tried to put it like this. You know, if you're a, if someone who drives a car, even if you're not, you'll understand the principle that when you're driving a car, you're going forward, and in front of you is a great big windscreen. And out of that windscreen, you can see all the possibilities. You could turn right, you could turn left, you could go straight, you could put your foot down. The possibilities are endless. But there's a small mirror. And the trouble is, too many people are driving with all these possibilities in front of them, but they're looking in this small mirror, which is showing them what was behind them. And I, you know, I know it's not necessarily God ordained the car set up, but the mirror is small and the windscreen is big, and yet we're focusing on that and not on that. And looking at that, we're looking, oh, well, that happened to me then. Well, I committed to a church once before, and do you know what? It was horrendous, and they were awful to me, and I expected something different, and I'm really wounded, and I'm not sure I'll ever commit to a church again. And you find yourself in another church, maybe this one or, or another church, and there's opportunities to commit, and you won't commit because your eyes are on what happened in the previous, instead of all the possibilities before you. You know, maybe you're someone who got messed up in a relationship and someone did cheat on you or played you or was unkind to you or let you down or something, and you've got this amazing opportunity for another relationship right in front of you, and it might be something in your heart you really, really want, and you can see this screen of all the possibilities in front of you where that relationship might go, but you're looking in the mirror that that happened, and, oh, I don't know if I can do it. I couldn't go through that again. Oh, that's real for some people. But I want to say that shouldn't define you. The possibilities are there. And maybe it takes some faith to say, okay, God, you know what I can take. Do something in me so I can press through and take hold of the opportunities in front of me. I'm not going to allow, I'll put something good here. Don't let your experiences from the past be an anchor to hold you in the past, but a springboard to your future. How about yeah, that happened to me? but I learned something along the way. Maybe I toughened up a bit. I don't know. But instead of keep looking at that going, oh, I'm never going to end up somewhere different, actually think, no, I'm using it and I'm shooting forward. Maybe there are people that need you to step into a ministry because they need you to love them. Maybe you need to step up to some kind of business opportunity because it's you that's going to be successful to fund a mission. 
Maybe it's you that's going to be able to buy houses for homeless people. Maybe it's you that's going to take on 60 million compassion children and just change their lives because you're committed to a business opportunity instead of looking in the rearview mirror going, oh, what that happened last time. Maybe you'll meet your ideal partner, your God-ordained partner. I don't believe there's ever one. There's probably lots of them. You meet someone who's awesome. Because instead of looking at what happened in the past, you look at the possibilities of the future and went for it and committed to it. And you'll have a story to tell which will release joy. Another reason that you might relate to is this. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to commit. My question here is, are you ever ready? Because the truth is, things are always changing. People are always changing. You are always changing. And so you think you're not ready here. And what happens is you improve a little bit, but so does everything else. And when you get there, you're actually in the same place. And you'll still say, I'm not ready. So you don't ever commit to anything because you're not ready. Give me a wave if you're a parent in the house. When you had children, were you ready? No one's ever ready. You're not ready. We, we waited, what, we married four and a half, four, five years before we had Josh. Josh is over there having a kip on the sofa. Have a wash, man. And um, we all thought to ourselves, yeah, we've had four or five years, you know, going on holidays and doing stuff together and hanging out. Yeah, we're ready. We had Josh. We weren't ready. <laughs> I don't think you're ever ready. Because it's just different. Obviously, you know, we're relatively capable people. And you think, yeah, but every parent who, makes, who commits to being a parent manages to be a parent. They weren't ready to be a parent. Which begs the question, if you put the same idea, concept into any given place, you might not be ready. But I bet if you commit to step in the first step, you'll find yourself more equipped than you thought. And then you might take the second step and the third step. and the I'm skating now. And the fourth step. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Don't let that idea of I'm not ready be your deciding factor because you'll probably never be ready. So maybe you should say, I'm just going to commit. I've got an opportunity here. I've checked it out with two or three of my friends. I've prayed about it. I'm just going to commit. I'm going to stop making excuses and I'm going to commit and I'm going to persevere. The Bible talks about trials. never says it's always going to be easy. But how about even in that trials, I commit and I pursue it and I persevere because at the end of it, at the right time, the good stuff's coming your way. But it has to be a process. And I believe it reflects joy. I think this whole idea of commitment is epitomized in God's commitment to me or you. You know, that's what it all boils down to in the end, isn't it? John three sixteen. God so loved you that he gave his only son. Uh, and this is what I love about it. There was no guarantee. You know, I don't know how many billions of people there are on the planet right now, but Jesus came for every single one of them. And whether they commit to him or not, whether they respond to him or not, he said, I love you enough to commit. You know, God is so complete in himself that he's able to lay his heart out in the hope that you might lay your heart back to him. And if you don't, he's going to love you anyway. Gee, that is the greatest commitment. No matter what you do, I'm going to commit. That's the Father's love right there. You might never understand the idea of Jesus, but you know what? He understands the idea of you. And he said, I'm going to prove that I love you. I'm going to commit to you by going to a cross that I don't deserve, to die in your place, 
to give you the life you could never have on your own. And at the end of your life, you're going to stand before God. And for those of you who said, thank you, Jesus, he's going to say, yes, welcome home. Heaven's always been your home. We go through this life, don't we? With our ups and downs in it all. But we are here to bring heaven now. We are not here to try and get through to get to heaven. Our role is to bring something of heaven here now. And these principles we're talking about actually release heaven. Because in a world that doesn't want to commit, the church is saying, we're going to show what heaven looks like, so we're going to commit to whatever the journey might be, whatever the process might be, to whatever you're called to. He put his heart on the line for you without any guarantee of how you respond to him. He just committed because he loves you. So it brings me back to the original question. Bearing all that in mind, will you commit? I wonder if we could just stand up and I'd just love to pray for some of you guys. Let me invite you just to close your eyes, just to focus. You don't have to if you don't want to, no rules. But it just gives us a moment. My hope is that something I've said might have resonated with all of you. Father, I just invite you just to move amongst us right now. Thank you that every individual here is a brilliant individual, a gifted individual, a loved individual. None of us the same, but all of us loved equally. Thank you that you fully committed to a relationship with us. That you displayed your commitment in love. I just wonder, with all the eyes closed right now, whether there's anyone here who says, I need to commit. I need to make a heart response to Jesus to say, I commit. For all these years, I've bumbled along, I've drifted through, I've semi-committed, I've been half-hearted. Maybe I've never made a response, but today is the day, Jesus, I'm saying I'm fully committing to pressing into all you've called me to do to pressing into who you called me to be, to pressing into a relationship with you. Just every eye closed, is there anyone who feels like, yes, today's the day I want to fully commit. Give me a wave. We're going to pray together. God bless you there. God bless you. 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 So good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to pray, pray over you, and then we'll pray together. Father God, I just thank you for every hand raised there. Thank you that hearts are being moved tonight. And I know heaven is cheering and celebrating. Lord, I just pray a grace on all those people there that have raised their hands. And that a level of commitment would rise up in them that would never subside. That they would be determined to press into relationship with you. And that in doing that, they would find themselves living a life they couldn't even dream of that you would take them places they couldn't dream of. You'd introduce them to people they couldn't have dreamed of because they chose to commit to you. How about we pray as a church? I'll pray a line and we'll all pray together just celebrating with these guys. Let's pray, church. Father God, thank you for loving me. 
today's the day I fully commit to relationship with you. Come into my heart. Be my Lord, Savior, and friend. Today's a new beginning for me. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Let's just hold the moment. I just want to pray and just take a second for those people who can really relate to something in your past is hindering your future. Something that happened to you, some experience, some words, something. And you find yourself looking in that rearview mirror, anchored to your past, but actually wanting to commit to a better future. Is that you? Just give me a wave. I just believe there's some people here. Yeah, bless you there. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you there. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, lots of people. You can put your hands down. My encouragement to you is after service, just find someone, either with a red T-shirt or, and they'll point you to someone. Just, just get someone to pray with you. Chat it through with someone. If not tonight, another time, but share it with someone. But Lord, I lift up those people to you right now. Lord, I thank you that you've given us authority. And I take the authority that you give me, Jesus, and I break the power of your past over you right now in Jesus' name. I separate it from you. It can't hinder you anymore. Those words that were spoken, those things that were done, those things you went through that are anchoring you back, I break its power right now in Jesus' name. And I speak the freedom of Jesus over you. And those who the Son sets free are free indeed. I declare it over you. Be free in Jesus' name. Be free. Let it go. Don't look at it anymore. You've got a good future ahead of you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, I just believe you're going to get opportunities very, very soon, maybe even this week. I don't want to say commit to something. Commit to going on the journey. And step away from everything that's held you from the past. Are there people in here that relate to that whole idea of you're concerned you're just not ready? You, the reason you don't push through with different things is because you feel like you're not ready. Is that you? Because I want to pray for you too. Just give me a wave. Yeah, God bless you. Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Bless you, the various people. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just want to lift up those people to you. Lord, I want to thank you that they take decisions seriously enough to consider themselves not ready. But Lord, I want to just speak over them a new level of faith that would say, ready or not, I'm stepping in. And Lord, in that stepping in, you'd equip them, you'd mature them, you'd grow them on the journey. That they'd stop worrying about not being ready for the journey, but they'd step into the journey and allow you to ready them on the way. Be released in Jesus' name. Step in. Push the door, ask the question, take the opportunity. Whatever it might be, be released in Jesus' name because it will bring joy to your life. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, thank you for this journey we're going on in joy as a church. Guys, I just speak joy over you right now in Jesus' name. Be people that laugh lots. Be people that carry things lightly. But be people that apply biblical principles to your life and live by them because it will release joy into your life. Thank you, Jesus.